Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I speak to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I've been here almost a year, and it is ridiculously inadequate to say that I have felt welcomed as your assistant rector here at Heavenly Rest, because you fed me countless times. You gave me a place to stay when I didn't have a home. You wrapped me in a crocheted blanket when my dad died. I've received countless words and notes of encouragement, and you wise ones have shepherded and pastored me when I felt like I was just a shell where all I could do was show up. We've worshiped together. We've laughed together. We have felt pain and sadness together. You received me into the household of God. I feel a kinship with the man who kneels before Jesus in our gospel lesson from Mark today. Like this man, I know what it's like for Christ to look at me and love me, because that's what y'all did for me. You looked upon me and my family, and then you responded with the love of God. This man asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's a curious word to use, inherit. You don't do anything to inherit something. It's, it's not about working for something or earning it. It's, it's given, it's, it's passed down, it's received because of who you belong to. As baptized Christians, we inherit something very special. We are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ so that we may truly live as heirs in the power of his resurrection. And we do this in the community of the faithful. The baptism of Jesus is just one of the many inclusive acts in Jesus' ministry, where he calls folks closer into beloved belonging. He's baptized as an adult at the beginning of a ministry where he would not set himself apart but it inaugurates the start of a holy journey of self-emptying love for the world. Jesus is baptized so that we might be imitators of him, being baptized ourselves, inviting others down to the river or the font or wherever to participate in a sacrament that fills us with God's grace and new life. Baptism calls us to our life together, and we don't have to do anything but receive it. So perhaps now you're starting to think a little bit more about baptism. So I want to take a moment to say something really important to you. God would love you and still loves you, even if you are not baptized, even if your loved ones are not baptized. You don't have to worry about that precious love being exclusive or taken away. Believe that. You belong to God. 
Baptism is a way that we can belong to one another. We inherit a vibrant spiritual community through baptism. And people of all ages and backgrounds, colorful, beautiful, y'all here in the pews, y'all joining us online, saints who precede us, and those yet to come in the sacred ancient rite of baptism, I becomes we. And you know, I love the word y'all because y'all means all. And that's why Jesus looks upon this man in our gospel today, a man who has tried diligently to follow the religious law since he was a boy, who is sincere, who runs to Jesus and kneels before him, and Jesus only sees love for him. But this love asks a lot. Jesus tells the man to sell what he owns and give the money to the poor, and then he will have treasure in heaven. Then he will be able to respond to the call to follow our Lord. This gospel gets uncomfortable real quick, doesn't it? I mean, I've got stuff. I'm not rich, but I have a little money in my wallet. So what does this mean for us? Well, after soaking myself in the text until I felt like my toes were kind of pruny and wrinkly, I do not believe that Jesus is saying it is a bad thing to have things. But if this man wants to truly inherit eternal life, he will not do it alone. This is God's work, and he's invited to be a part of it. Jesus instructs this man to give of himself to those who are poor, and the word is, is patokos. That's the Greek word for poor that's being used. And this term, patokos, it does not simply refer to someone who doesn't have a penny in their pocket. The word asks us to see what Jesus sees, how our Lord experienced firsthand the full range of poverty and humanity. The spiritually poor he came to be with those hungry to be seen and valued, those he lifted up and called into discipleship, and those in positions of wealth and power who might be actually lacking in some way. He challenged everyone to look for the kingdom of God in unlikely persons and places. Jesus is asking this man to look upon others and love them. He's also asking this man to take the next step in his faith journey, urging him to risk and sacrifice for someone else. Even though he does have many possessions, Jesus wants him to consider what's missing in his spiritual life. Okay, so now I want to slow things down just a bit because we must be very careful with this text. It is easy to get stuck on the idea that Jesus is against wealth and possessions, and we might just start to shut down parts of the story and what Jesus is trying to tell us. And that makes sense, because it wasn't an easy message for Peter and the disciples to comprehend either. They'd given up much to follow Jesus. This isn't about Jesus 
telling the man to pile up all his stuff and light a match and toss it into the heap and walk away with flames licking at his possessions. This gospel is calling us to rethink what we do with what we have, who we are connected to, who we belong to. So we want to make sure we see that big picture with this gospel. Jesus is wanting him to choose something that is truly rich and lasting to participate in the well-being of another. And with all that in mind, I want to return to thoughts of baptism. When we witness a baptism, there's this lovely part towards the end of the prayers on page 308 in our Book of Common Prayer where we welcome the newly baptized. And this is where that spiritual inheritance I'm talking about begins for them. Maybe you remember me saying this towards the beginning of my sermon. The folks gathered say, we receive you into the household of God. The newly baptized join others who don't want to go it alone anymore. We receive each other, and we pass down the faith every time we're together, and every time our love reaches someone, and especially when our love goes beyond the red doors of this place. This is what it looks like to take part in our spiritual inheritance. And there's never been a greater need for this. This is what love requires of us. I have great compassion for the man in our gospel today who walks away from Jesus with a grieved heart. He walks away from the opportunity to receive joy, spiritual rewards that he can't even fathom. He is unable to turn towards those who would welcome him into God's reality and God's kingdom. You see, we belong to Christ more and more when we belong to each other. The challenge for us is to continue to turn towards each other when it might be easier to turn away. We take our faith one step further when we risk something for someone. I'm here today as an heir. I've inherited a faith passed down to me in community that is so special. I'm now caught up in life with you, and that shared life, it points to an eternity with God. At Heavenly Rest, generations of people have experienced what it means to become part of something greater than ourselves. Our work is to imitate Christ, to look upon others with fresh eyes and with love, to be recipients and those who pass down the faith. This love, it asks a lot, but we don't do it alone. Amen.